Welcome to Wisco Legacy. I'm your host, Corey Kundert. On Wisco Legacy, we talk to inspiring Wisconsinites to hear all about their life's journey. On today's episode, we have Megan Schilt and Emily Murray from Avenues Counseling right here in Monroe, Wisconsin. On this episode, we talk about the journey that led them to Avenues Counseling. We talk about the services they provide, and we talk about a new initiative that they're starting in Greene County called Be the Change Greene County. If you check out my website, wiscolegacy.com, I wrote an article that describes Be the Change Greene County. Uh, I also put a clip up the other day on social media that describes it as well. Uh, It's a really great initiative that they're doing to really bring comprehensive mental health care to Green County and, and its residents, and it's really exciting work that they're doing. So go check that stuff out. We talk a lot about that. We talk about mental health and, again, the journey that led them to Avenues Counseling. And with that, I will dive right into episode 18 of Wisco Legacy with Megan Schilt and Emily Murray of Avenues Counseling. Hi, I'm Emily Murray. I'm Megan Schilt, and we're the owners of Avenues Counseling. And this is our Wisco Legacy Really excited to talk to you today. Welcome Thanks to Wisco Legacy. Us. So you both grew up in Monroe, Wisconsin. Can you talk about growing up here? Yeah, you go ahead. You go ahead and start. So Megan and I are sisters, um, and we grew up, grew up both born and raised. We are generationally tied to Monroe, Wisconsin. Our families, um, I should say our parents um, are on our mom's side, uh, deep into agriculture here in uh, Monroe and Greene County. Um, on our dad's side, um, our grandfather owned Rufinock Oil with his brother. Um, and so we, and, and I should say too, we, um, we have a brother who lives in the area as well with his wife and, and two daughters. Um, our extended family all pretty much all pretty resides in the Monroe and Greene County area. Um, so we are, we are a generation here, which is um, fairly common in our community. And it's something that I think is pretty special, especially considering the work that we do here. Um, So yeah, we grew up, we went to Northside Elementary School here, Monroe Middle School. When I went through, it was just seventh and eighth grade. Um, And then the Monroe High School. Um, Yeah, I'm not sure. I think it's also important to note that we come from a blended family as well. And so our parents divorced when I was five, you were, I was 14, 14. And so, um, we've navigated that and living in a small town, Monroe. And one of those things where everyone kind of knows everyone, right? So everyone kind of knows what's going on with your family. Um, and so we also have three stepbrothers as well that we've grown up with, uh, you know, since I was, I think our parent, I think my 2002 they got or 2001 2001 they got married so i mean pretty much my whole you know my whole upbringing they've they've been a huge part of our lives they're just they're like our brothers they're not like stepbrothers they're our brothers so i think that's important to to note and they're all you know local as well so are from the darlington area i should say and then Monroe. Yeah, it had to be challenging going through that at, at those young ages. And like you said, in, in a small town, uh, people people talk and people know everything that's going on. So it had to be challenging to go through yeah. that at that, those young yeah. ages. Yeah, yeah. For me, the, the year, um, years of adolescence were very difficult, especially because I was trying to navigate that on top of all of the challenges that adolescence brings. Um, and then Emily being so young, too, that was a really unique um, 
kind of way to grow up. And so both of us experienced the same events, but in very different ways. And it's um, actually really, we have some really good conversations, not just between us, but with all of our family members now at this point, where we're able to talk about things that we weren't always able to talk about before. And it helps us to continue to grow and to do better and to help other people. And you have real life experience with this and you do, um, your core work is counseling and, and that. So you can bring some real life examples into, into the work that you do Absolutely. every day. Yeah. So what were, what were you two like as, a, as kids? I know you were into sports and things like that. Yeah, we played sports and what else? We, I did band for a little while. You did band for a while. Um, our brother too, he did, um, he, he was a really good track athlete. Um, I don't know. What were well, we I like? think, well, sports were, I mean, obviously Corey, you know, like sports are such a huge part of Monroe and the community. And I think that was just a huge part of our, at least mine, um, my childhood and upbringing. Um, but I feel like now as I'm older, looking back, like there are so many other things that Monroe or just the community like has to offer than just sports and just identifying with sports um, that I feel like, you know, I don't know if that's any of your like outside of sports being something that you. Yeah. I just, when you were saying that, it just brought up for me, like, of course I'm going to go there. Right. Because this is what we do. But um I, just conversations I've had with Emily too about the challenges of figuring out who we are once we leave Monroe and we're no longer a small town athlete. For me, I tried to kind of sort through that while I was in high school and that was really hard. I dropped a couple of sports um, and struggled through, um, you know, the, the one and only sport that I kept for my final two years softball um, just because it was kind of an identity struggle and it was um, hard. It, it, you know, that was just a hard um, time for me. And, um, and Emily and I have had conversations and with some of our peers as well who have left Monroe and who had a really difficult time figuring out who am I and what is my worth if I'm not a small town athlete who's in the newspaper anymore? What do I do now? And so you're right. I think we've had to kind of figure out um, and look at and then now help other people to understand, especially those um, kiddos, those adolescents who come in here struggling with similar things um, to help people understand that certainly it's it's a really cool thing that we get to be a part of here, but it's not all we are. Um, and there's a lot more, you're right. There's a lot more to this community than being a, a star athlete, but it certainly is a really important part of many of our stories when we grow up here in Monroe. Yeah. I had uh, Jonathan Orr on a few weeks ago. He's a former Badger wide receiver and his, his core work is around, um, athlete transitions. So he, he talks to current and former athletes and kind of talking about that life after sports. And he does a lot of work in that identity, um, crisis management kind of, kind of space. And I, I certainly identify with that myself. Um, I went, I went off to college. I was a three sport athlete in high school, went off to college and did nothing and gained a whole lot of weight. And it took me until, uh, about a year and a half ago to really finally make that transition and figure out like what my identity is. So it took me nearly a decade to get that figured out. And yeah, I can certainly attest to, to people going through those struggles. Do you mind me asking you, Corey, like yeah. what helped you? I'm sure you've yeah. talked about this a lot and I haven't gotten through all of your episodes, mm -hmm. but, um, 
how did you how did you find your way? What helped you along that? Yeah, so for me, it was uh, I had my first daughter, and she really um, helped bring out like who I am. So I, I struggled for so long to try and figure out who I was after sports. You know, I wasn't the greatest athlete in the world, but I, I was decent and um, just super passionate about it. But it took me like running around in the yard with my, my daughter and realizing that I'm winded. Like she's a year and a half and I can't keep up with her. And so that was a huge driver for me was to just really get figure out, sit down, figure out who I am. And my identity is now a dad. That's going to evolve over time. And, you know, as they get older and, and go through different life transitions themselves, my life will transition then too. But um, really getting seated in that and then figuring out uh, my wife and I wanted to have another child. And it took us a little bit for the first child. And so I knew if I was going to get, if I could get healthy, um, that would certainly help with that. So those are kind of two two main drivers. And um, yeah, it was just really trying to figure out who I was. And uh, that, that certainly got got me on my, my path to figuring out. And now out. you're here helping other people. Yeah. Yeah, trying to. Cool. Thanks for sharing that. Um, awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you both went to Edgewood College. What was your experience like at Edgewood? For me, Edgewood was... Um, it was a safe enough place. So I was, I wanted to get out of Greene County. I was somebody who, when I was a teenager, I said I would leave Monroe and I'd never come back. <laughs> Here I am. Um, but, but I wanted, I wanted to get, um, I wanted to get out into the world, but I was also very scared because this is all I've known is Greene County. And so um, I did have a lot of anxiety with my transition, but Edgewood being a smaller campus, helped me to be in a larger community, a larger city, a larger space, but also having that kind of small and um, kind of close-knit culture wrapped around me. And that's what I didn't know back then, but that's what Monroe had given me that I um, needed and wanted as part of my life moving forward. And so for, for at Edgewood, it, it allowed me some space, but some safety as well. Um, I really enjoyed my time at Edgewood. I majored in psychology. Um, and I was there from 2002 to 2006. Um, and Emily, you can, yeah, I, Megan and I, Megan, I have a lot of similarities as you'll notice. Um, you know, I was also, I would identify as very anxious growing up. Um, and so that was just watching Megan and her experience and going through her transition to Edgewood. Um, and, you know, going into psychology, I, I grew up watching her and she was my role model. And so I wanted to follow in those footsteps and Edgewood just created, like she said, like I felt, I felt like I was getting space, but I felt like I was safe. Like with the smaller classes, I felt like I had a relationship with my instructors and my professors that I could go to them if I needed to talk. If I had any questions, like I felt safe in that setting to be able to do that. And I just felt like it was the best um, environment for me to succeed and learn. And I actually felt like I succeeded better at Edgewood than I did in high school um, because I felt like I had more of that safety um, with the smaller classes and just the smaller environment. I, and I would add to that, but with like people not necessarily knowing you and your story and attaching that to you and, and 
and your identity, right? Like that safety piece is like, I'm in this small community and I'm able to do what I need to learn, but I also don't have this narrative following me that I don't buy into and I don't identify with, but other people have maybe wrapped around me for a few years. Um, so yeah, I totally agree with that. And Emily actually went on to do her master's, her graduate work at Edgewood mm -hmm. as well. Both of you decided to uh, come back to Monroe. Monroe was, was where you, you grew up and you had a lot of great experiences here. Um, what drew you back to Monroe and what drew you into starting Avenues Counseling? You start that. Um, yeah, I guess for me it was um, family, um, security, safety, a sense of safety and security. Um, as much as I thought I didn't want to be in Monroe when it came down to um, starting a family, I couldn't imagine being anywhere other than here. Um, our family, my, our parents are here in the Monroe area. Our, our brother, our stepbrothers, two of them live in uh, within a couple of hours from here. Um, and one lives just in the Madison area. So uh, we wanted to be amongst family and my husband's family, they all live here as well. Um, and so we really wanted to be close to people as we were growing our family. It felt like kind of a scary thing. Um, and we needed that support. And so, um, at, at first I kind of thought, well, I can commute to Madison if I need to for work. I didn't really see myself doing this kind of work in Monroe because when we go through school and, um, our training, we, we learn about these kind of ethical boundaries and how it, you know, it's very difficult to have dual relationships and to know people that you're working with in therapy. Um, and so we're not necessarily encouraged in our system to be um, working in the hometown, in our own hometowns, or we're not all feeling comfortable enough to do that. Um, for me, I ended up doing internships simply because I was, um, my internship, when I was doing my internship, I had a two-year-old and I was pregnant with my second and I couldn't commute back and forth any longer. It just got to be too much to work in Madison. So my internship was here at, at Green County Human Services. And that's where I ended up planting my feet here in Monroe and saying, you know what, I think I can do this work here. And I think it's important that I do because despite what we're trained or taught, I think leading with lived experience um, using the experience we've had in our lives, if we do it the right way, if we do it in a way where we're really taking care of ourselves the whole time, we're seeking out our own therapy, we're doing our own consultation work with our peers around how to keep our boundaries. Um, I think I started to understand that there's something really unique and really powerful about helping to heal the community that you grew up in. And so that that's kind of how I got started um, in the in, in working in Monroe uh, around mental health and in this field. Yeah. And so Megan started Avenues in 2017 and she was, it was just by herself in a little small office and then um, moved into a bigger sized office. And I was actually living in Chicago at the time my um, husband was down there for work and I followed him down there. Um, and I was looking for a job in Chicago. And I just, I couldn't find anywhere that I felt was, you know, more of a, a lot of the, a lot of the therapy um, practices in Chicago are very much 
business model based, you know, just more for profit, just not as not as um, I couldn't find anywhere that I felt like was helping like a community aspect, right? Because it's Chicago, it's it's a huge, it's a huge place. And so I just didn't find anywhere that I felt like I fit. And then Megan reached out to me, I was like, well, how would you feel about commuting here um, for half of your week, because my husband and I always knew we were going to be back in, you know, this area um, to raise a family, because we knew it, it, watching my sister, it does take a village to raise a family, and we wanted to be close to our family as well. Um, so I ended up commuting back um, for half a week to Monroe, and then going the other half to Chicago um, for a while. It was, it was hard. Um, but then as I came to Avenues. I started out as just a therapist and employee, and then I um, decided to become an owner with Megan. And um, it it felt just right that we were both here. And Megan and I have always talked about having a therapy practice, like it, not necessarily in Monroe, but someday. Um, and it just, I feel like Avenues is a place where um, I wish when we were growing up, I wish we had a place like this in Monroe. Like I wish we had this where, where I could go somewhere, you know, in, in, as our, as a child dealing with anxiety, dealing with divorced parents, blended families. I wish I had somewhere like this to come to just be able to talk with someone and feel emotionally safe. Yeah, I mean, Monroe is a smaller rural community. There's probably not as many uh, groups like you in some of these smaller communities. And so it, it is important uh, when you, you think about people that are going through life transitions and have anxiety and things like that to have a safe space to go and have those conversations. And um, you guys are definitely fulfilling a need uh, in this area by doing that. So um, I did want to swing back to Megan and just talk about the early days of, of Avenues Counseling. Um, what was what was the support like from your husband when, when you decided you wanted to start this in your family, your whole family? Um, I don't think any of us knew what we were really in for. <laughs> um, it's been a roller coaster. Um, I think my husband knew. Uh, so what I have to say about Avenues, I worked at Green County Human Services for a period of time. I worked at Monroe Clinic for a period of time. And those systems are a huge part of our community and they support our community in huge ways. One thing I've come to learn about myself is that I'm a highly creative and innovative person, but it's not something that was nurtured or even reflected back to me when I was growing up. I didn't know this about myself. I've come to learn this about myself. And when I was working in those systems, I didn't feel like I could do the work that I meant to do. And I didn't feel like I could do it in the way that I'm supposed to be doing it. Um, so it's kind of, it's, you know, I'm getting a little, you know, maybe on the spiritual end of things, but it feels like a purpose for me. It feels like a calling. And um, I think my husband knew in the beginning that I was following that. And I don't know that he, I mean, I think he was, um, I guess, you know, he was maybe a little nervous about what it would mean for our family, but he also knew that it was something that was bigger than than us. And it was something that I needed to just start and try. Um, I We also kind of had this added benefit of, well, then, you know, I could create my own schedule. We had three children when I started Avenues and I could create the balance that I'm looking for because in those systems, I was working 
way too many hours a week and I was spent and I was not present with my family. And I was still trying to find myself in this work, right? So um, those systems are huge systems and they work beautifully in our community. However, for me and my lifestyle at the time and my husband's as well, it wasn't working for me. So I had to find a way to do what I love doing, but to also be a parent and be present with my family. Um, so I, and then, you know, my extended family rallied around me too. My mom had retired at that time and she watched my children for me so that I didn't have to pay daycare. Huge. I wouldn't be able to do this without that. My husband carries our insurance. I wouldn't be able to do this without that. So, um, there were so many things that just kind of put us in a position to say, we cannot not take this risk. We have to try. And so I leapt and I did it. Um, and it was a little messy and it was difficult to figure out, you know, how to, how to bring all the pieces together and to even, you know, will insurance um, in companies contract with me? Will they be able to help me create access for people to come into avenues? Will that then create more access for people to have jobs here too? If I can have more um, therapists come on board and create a group practice. Um, so that that's those early days were a little scary, but really exciting at the same time and pretty messy. Yeah. yeah I mean, taking the leap and getting into entrepreneurship, uh, being that you were a therapist for a while, that was probably a big, big leap to really kind of wrap your head around everything that's involved. Um, it's like you said, you got to work with insurance companies to, to have them be part of your group and things like that. And just all the, the backend logistical things and that come behind it is, is a lot. So, um, I'm sure there was a lot of, a lot of things you learned throughout that process. Yeah. Awesome. So can you, uh, either one of you give a, a brief overview of what Avenues Counseling does, kind of the, the services you provide and, uh, talk a bit about the team? Yeah, we have, um, five therapists, um, two support staff. Um, so Megan and I and um, John are therapists. We see children and families, um, but that's we're not limited to that. We see, you know, all the way from what age zero to whatever age. Um, um, and so we focus on that. Um, a lot, Megan and I work with a lot of, um, we're, actually we're, Megan went through um, the UW Infant and Early Childhood Family Mental Health Capstone Program um, that works with um, children, young young infants, um, zero to five, and their uh, mothers and their families. And I'm actually going through that right now, um, the same program. So we're looking to kind of continue to expand our services to be able to provide that. Um, but also working with a lot of trauma, um, both children and adults, um, women's issues, anxiety, depression, ADHD, um, perinatal mental health. Perinatal mental health. So that's like postpartum um, and pre through pregnancy. Um, John, we have a school-based mental health program here that John, our therapist, is the director of, and so we go into different schools and provide services for um, Monroe, Broadhead, is that it? Yeah, those are the two, two that we those are the two like big ones. Are pretty consistent with. Mm -hmm. We've done some in Albany um, as well, but mm -hmm. more, most consistently Monroe and Broadhead mm -hmm. at this time. And then we have two other therapists, Cheryl, who she um, works 
primarily with adolescents and adults. Um, and she does more, um, more of like, um, persistent mental health, like severe and mm -hmm. persistent mental health. Um, and also does some alcohol and, um, drug and, drug and alcohol, um, work. And then we have one more, um, Melissa, who she works with adolescents and adults as well. She's getting ready to actually, um, take her test. She will be a licensed psychologist after her test is complete and passed. And so then she'll be able to offer new services that we haven't even had available yet in terms of psychological testing. And those services are on high demand and they're very difficult to get in for, especially in our area, but even in Madison. And so we feel really fortunate to have her here to be able to offer some of that coming up in the near future. Um, so we have a really, we have a, a team that drives pretty well together. We, um, we tend to really specialize in working um, kind of in systems, right? So we will, a number of us will see different family members and we'll, we can come together and do co-therapy. Um, I've worked, a number of my colleagues and I have um, either with couples or with parent-child um, duos and dynamics, um, we're able to really wrap services around families because, and around different relationships, because what we understand is that um, you know, the mental health concerns and issues, presenting problems that people come in here with, they don't just lie within that person. They also lie between people. There, there, there are problems within us, but there are problems between all of us as well. And the people and the systems around us, the culture, the schools, the, the family members, the friends, the peers, um, everybody here in this community impacts everybody. And so we really, I think what's unique about us is that we see it this way. And we, we bring that into our therapeutic work and we prioritize things that, um, you know, aren't just, you know, uh, you know, self-harm and suicide is not the only crisis or priority situation that we, um, want people to understand and to uphold as a priority. We need people to understand that all mental health issues are a priority, especially when it comes to, you know, domestic violence or trauma, um, especially with young children. And <clears throat> excuse me, we want in terms of, you know, I know we're going to talk about be the change, but we have an understanding of how the earlier we can help and reach people. And especially though, so when we talk about the zero, people are like, how do you do therapy with an infant? <laughs> right? Well, we do it it's a relational therapy with the adult and the child together. And it really, the client is the relationship. It's not just one individual. It's the relationship and the dynamic in the system that the issue exists in. And so I think that's, you know, that's kind of our, that's what makes us a little bit different is that we can specialize in something that the, the larger systems aren't able to take on and specialize in at this point. Yeah, sounds like really great work uh, and great services you're providing to our community and uh, communities around here. So, excuse me. Yeah, that's that's really great. Um, can you talk about the community support you've received and uh, the community involvement that you have? I know there's some programs you you work with, some other, um, I believe you work with Jacob Swag, who was just a guest on the podcast, and, and some of the other groups uh, around Monroe. Can you talk about some of, the, some of that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't, there's so many, I feel like Jacob Swag Foundation is a big one, and so is Justice for a Cure. Um, so we we um, we run free support groups every month for um, people who are who have been impacted by cancer, um, any kind of cancer diagnosis. Um, we also run a group 
once a month for caregivers who have lost loved ones to cancer or family members, caregivers, people who cared for people who have passed um, due to cancer. Uh, just, Justice for a Cure, um, we partner with them to make that happen. We, we facilitate it, but they do all of the um, kind of marketing and letting people know that it's there and talking about it. And they've got, you know, signs and treats and things. We, we come in and have a facilitator available to sit with people mm -hmm. and to kind of um, create space for that. And um, in the past, we've been able to do that for survivors of um, suicide. And I believe, um, and we did it also, we did it just for a brief while, we right before COVID, which is why it's not going on any longer. Um, child loss support group. Mm. And so our hope is to be able to do more of these support groups, these free support groups for our community in the future. But we've gotten so much support um, from Jacob Swag and Justice for a Cure, um, so much support from them in all that we do. Um, but then also the Monroe School District has been a huge supporter of us, um, allowing us to share our gifts with them in their schools and to support them. Um, United Way has um, been a huge in the past year, especially has been a huge supporter of the work that we're doing. Um, and especially in taking care of caretakers and caregivers of young children and teachers of young children. Um, so United Way has been a huge supporter. Um, I'm just, you know, people in the community in general, like this was all word of mouth. I, you know, started in 2017, there was like no marketing that had to be done and we've never needed it. We've never, even when we put things out there, we've never needed it because we have a wait list that we can't keep up with. We can't meet the needs of everybody who's coming here. Um, and yeah, it's in our latest, you know, we are partnering with um, the YMCA and the other for the youth development center that um, the grant that they were awarded. And so we're a part of that. We're going to be a part of that process as well as um, partnering with all the other partners in the community to um, develop that. Yeah. Which yeah. is really cool. It's really cool to be a part of. To even be thought of for that is huge. It's humbling. It's really huge. Mm -hmm. It shows the impact that your group is making on the community. And, and you know, mental health awareness seems to be, um, you know, with, with the pandemic we have going on, um, I'm sure there's been a lot, a lot of, a uh, lot more, need for mental health and, and having these conversations and things like that. Um, you know, I listen to a, a lot of podcasts and it seems like people are more open to talking about going to therapy and um, talking about their mental health uh, than they ever have been. I don't know if you have seen that or what's, what are your thoughts on, on the whole mental health awareness and, and just people having those conversations out, out in the open? Yeah, I think that, I mean, honestly, the pandemic, I feel like has really, the, the fact that now um, telehealth services are, are very prevalent and they're, they're huge. And I think uh, that's like even opened up more access and more a bit like just talking about it. And um, I've just heard more and more people feel just more just comfortable and safe to be able to share that. And I think that's part of our role is to you know, to break that stigma, to just, just be, you know, just be really open and, and vulnerable with our own personal stories. So people feel like they can also be vulnerable. Yeah, I think it's definitely, well, and I listen to a decent amount of podcasts as well. And I hear every, every commercial break, better help, talk space, you know, all the, right. It's like, 
um, podcast hosts are talking more and more about their own, like, hey, I really needed this or that. And I called BetterHelp or I did this or that, right? Um, so you're right. I think it's normalized. It is humanized and destigmatized on some level struggle that we all have as human beings. And that is something that for me, I have felt like I'm kind of this maximizer, like this person who likes to maximize opportunities. And when the pandemic came, it felt like an opportunity for growth and expansion. And that's what I've been really just, you know, that's a lot of days what gets me through the the stressful stuff, all the quarantining and the chaos around, you know, four kids and schools and masks and all these things, right? Um, there's such a thing as traumatic growth. And I've lived that. And it's a gift I want to share with people. And I, I have felt like in the, um, in the midst of the pandemic, that it's been an opportunity for and, and we've seen it because this YMCA grant, this amazing three point almost $8 million grant we got. I don't know that that would be there without all that's happened, right? Like there is opportunity and growth available in pain and suffering. And Avenues has taken it upon ourselves to be a part of that, to be a part of that change and to encourage other people to join us in that. And part of that is talking more openly about the fact that we all struggle and that it is human to have issues that someone like a therapist could help with or peers peer supports can help with, right? And so, yeah, I think that's a huge, huge gift that's come out of um, the last couple of years is that this is becoming more of a topic that people are willing to be vulnerable around. And that's what we're needing in order to form, I don't know if you are a Brene Brown fan, right? But she um, talks a lot about connection and courage in the midst of it, we cannot have these things without vulnerability. And that's what we're asking people to do is to sit with vulnerability and to connect with others in it and to feel like they are not alone. And by doing that, we're changing, we're changing our community. Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, the like you said, the willingness to, to open up. Uh, I'm just so glad that people are, are willing to open up and have these conversations. You know, you, you flip through Instagram and a lot of it's like all this positive and, and all this stuff like that. But then there are people that, that open up and talk about their um, their needs and their, their mental health and things like that. And that's, like you said, that's how it becomes destigmatized. And it's how we, we build a better, uh, I don't know if better is the right word, but uh, a community and, and have people continue to learn and grow. Uh, through that. So yeah, I'm super glad that you, you have taken this opportunity to, to really grow and, and develop and help build this community up. Um, so I want to talk about Be the Change Green County. So it's a, it's a recent initiative that you just posted about uh, a few weeks ago on social media. And would one of you be, be willing to kind of talk through what, what you're working on for Be the Change Green County? Yeah, so this is, um, so where it came from really is um, my family, my myself, my daughter, my, our, we have four children, my husband and I have four children. <clears throat> 11 is our oldest down to our youngest just turned four. And when our youngest entered the world, um, we had um, some very 
very big um, trauma and adversity that was imposed upon us that we were not really ready for. Um, her entry into the world was pretty difficult. My water broke at 24 weeks and I was hospitalized for a couple of months um, with my other children being at home and my young my youngest at that time, she was 21 months. And so that was a really important time for us to be together that we were not able to be together for. Um, it took a toll. So I was hospitalized for a couple of months and she was born, she was still born two months early. We were in the NICU for a while. Um, some some pretty traumatic things happened while we were in the NICU um, that we had to deal with for a couple of years after um, after leaving the NICU. Um, but we also had a scare when after we came home about a week later, um, we had to go to the PICU, the pediatric ICU, um, as our daughter had um, caught RSV and she wasn't even to her due date yet. And she was pretty vulnerable and it was very scary. Um, so there were like five months of active, just you know, trauma, being involved in a medical system, and then for two years after that, dealing with the aftermath um, of the medical and legal system um, with some of the things that had happened at the hospital. Um, you know, the community really rallied around us when it came to, you know, we were in the hospital, people were bringing meals over to my family, people were giving us gas cards and um, just sending so much love and, and thoughts and prayers. Um, what I came to understand is that our family needed the most support after we came home and um, there were years of just great struggle that we had. Um, and it wasn't always understood by people around us, even our immediate family, right? It wasn't, and, and not because people don't care, but just because we don't always talk about these things. We don't always let people see what struggle is and the messiness in the aftermath of trauma. Um, and so Be the Change really came from um, last year, or I should say a year and a half ago, the pandemic you know, was going on and I had my whiteboard out and I was like, I just have all of these ideas and thoughts and feelings and things flowing through me. I can't keep up with them. They're moving so fast, but I have so many things I want to share and, and things that I want to do to help everyone, to help myself, to help everyone. Um, and so I just started mapping things out on my whiteboard. And what came out of that was what I had sent you that um, PDF. It was a kind of a mind map and I haven't updated that in a while. So there are some changes to that I might even make, but it essentially became this map for myself around how we can use the pandemic and the situation um, and not just the pandemic, but there's been so much going on that has divided people and that has called, caused just so much more suffering for people. So, I, I really just took a look at our community, at what I've experienced and learned in working at the different systems in our community um, and from working in avenues and from all the people that come into our office that we, that we try to help and that we try to sit with in their struggles. I took all of that and put that down into an idea. And we have sat and talked about that idea amongst our team ever since. So for a year and a, yeah, for a year and a, a half. very long time. Um, we've had this shirt idea for a long time. I started making shirts on my cricket with my creativity with different <laughs> things, you know, Brene Brown quotes and things. Um, and we were going to sell those to fundraise. And so this idea, this be the change, Green County has shifted and changed a few times. And we've something just more recently, um, it just felt like the right timing to share it with the community. We've been talking about how to share it for so long. And all of a sudden we're like, it's just, it's a time to share it. It's time to share it now. Um, but we had to, we had to kind of re-strategize how we were going to do the shirts. 
because we don't have the time and energy and resources to sit on a cricket and make them all day long. So instead we made, um, we just used our logo to be very simple and, and easy about it. And we get, were able to partner with another business in town, Heartland Graphics, to help us make the shirts. And um, so essentially what we're doing is this fundraiser. We're inviting the community to be a part of this change. And it's not just bringing services to our community. It's not just starting programs. It's an attitude shift. It's a perspective change about the way we see ourselves and how we see other people and then how we show up in, in our community for each other and other people. And so part of that is the destigmatization, de de but there's a lot of other things that go with that. And a, a, another big underlying theme is intergenerational change is saying there's so many beautiful things that we bring from the the generations before us, and we need to use those as strengths. And there are some things that we've been doing for a very long time that just aren't working anymore. And it's okay for us to ask, is this, is this, what, you know, why are we doing this, first of all? And is it still serving us and working in the same way? And if not, is there a new way we can think about doing this? And can we all do it together? And so that's really, for me, what Be the Change kind of started out as. And now I want to pass it to you to kind of. I think I, so. I think as far as you know, what we're looking for, like what we're trying to do with this fundraiser and with the proceeds that we get, is to create a community and to create um, learning for professionals and for other community members, um, community partners, not just avenues. So, like the clinic or Green County or you know all the ones that we've listed nonprofits. nonprofits to be able to also benefit from this to send them to different to be able to send them to different trainings to get certain specialized um tr uh training to be able to provide uh quality specialized care such as um you know the infant and early childhood family mental health um what else like social and emotional um learning and development for little kids um, just taking, um, crisis intervention, um, taking care of our caretakers. So yeah. really coming to understand in our, from a systems perspective, how our helpers need help. Um, our providers at the clinic, people who are helping and serving other people there, um, uh, child care uh, professionals. So people who are taking care of other people's children, parents and grandparents who take care of kids, um, their children's children, like, like our mom does. Um, that's a big part of, that's a big population. We want people to start rallying around and saying, Hey, we need to help our helpers because without them, we won't sustain. Mm -hmm. And, um, we do serve a lot of people who are different, who are, are parts of these larger systems who are coming in and just struggling, um, struggling to, to sustain because they, uh, you know, there's a lot of, I've heard a lot about people feeling devalued in their positions. Um, just in that, you know, um, and not to get in, there's, you know, no debate, I'm not, you know, around mask wearing or not mask wearing, but there's a certain kind of feeling valued or devalued that professionals, that healthcare professionals can feel and have spoken up and talked about when people uh, choose not to, you know, practice um, safety in terms of <clears throat> the pandemic. It, it's not just about like wearing a mask or not wearing a mask for professionals when we're talking about like the kind of emotional level that we're talking about. There's um, a level of feeling unseen and unheard and unvalued in their positions. And so people, we don't always understand how deeply things can impact people. And that's what we're asking people to do, right? Is just to, it's a shift about 
helping people to kind of assume the best about one another at times too. Like help, it's amazing how life-changing it can be to carry the belief that everybody you come across is doing the best they can with what they have. And it, it's a life-changing shift in perspective. And, and so it, that's part of what we're wanting to do is we're wanting to invite the community. We don't want to just do it ourselves. We don't want avenues just take this on and go do it. We want to say, hey, we are all stronger together. And a sense of connection and community helps us all know that we're not alone in this work and it helps us be able to sustain and carry it forward. And it changes things for generations to come. That's incredible. Thank you for, for that big synopsis of what, what you're planning on doing. It um, It's selfless in trying to include all these other, other organizations and things like that. And that really I, I can attest just briefly knowing both of you that um, I can sense that when we're, we're having this conversation that you, it, it's about the community. It's about the people. Mm-hmm. It's, there's obviously you, you want to continue to grow your business, but you also want to help as many people as you can in, in the best way you can. Um, so how can people support this initiative? So what's the best way? Well, our shirt fundraiser, we have a shirt fundraiser going on now through January 31st. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that link is on our website. Um, it's also on our Facebook page. Our Facebook page. Um, and our website is www.avenuescounselingllc.com. Um, and we will be having additional fundraisers. Just depending on how this goes, we'll likely roll out additional fundraisers and um, new and, and possibly even bringing out some of our Be the Change designs and shirts at some point. Um, because those have really important, impactful messages on them that it's not just about avenues. We really, um, we really, <clears throat> excuse me, did use our logo to try to save some time and energy and resources on our end. But we're hopeful that if we can grow a little bit more and bring some additional people in, that we might have some additional resources to do more kinds of um, designs and shirts fundraisers. Um, but right now, that fundraiser is um, a huge way to help. Um, Another way is to simply even contact and reach out to us to let us know that you're interested in being part of this project because there are a number where, like I said, creativity and innovation is where I'm at right now and um, it's serving us pretty well. And so um, we are open to all sorts of different ways of people helping, whether it's volunteering or donating things to certain causes, um, helping us make connections with other um, people in the community who could benefit from being a part of the change with us. I think something else that just anyone can do that could help is to, you know, right now we're really quick to blame and shame people right now because we're we're all under this traumatic stress, right? Like it's really easy for us to be quick when something happens and we have this huge feeling to point the finger at someone or to blame someone or, you know, something that's going on. And I think to just stop and and just try to understand and try to empathize with someone else and to have them just to be able to try to be seen and heard. I think that's just something that we can all try to do. And that's kind of what we're we're striving for with Be the Change. Yeah. Give grace. Give grace. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Um, okay. So how can, it sounds like there's a wait list to get into Avenues Counseling. So how can people access your services? What's the best way to contact and get on the wait list and, and utilize your resources? We have on our website, we have um, 
a self-referral where people can fill out their information, what they're looking for, and it comes directly to our office um, with our, our staff who does all of our intakes. That is one way to, to reach out to us. Um, the other way is to call our office, um, 325-1070, and um, to either speak with uh, Christine, who typically answers when she's in, or to leave a message for her. Those would be probably the two best ways to get a hold of us. Sounds good. Anything on Avenues Counseling, mental health, or anything? Otherwise, I got some some final questions to wrap up the, our conversation. Yeah, so thanks for letting us yeah. speak. I spewed it all out. Yeah. Thanks for giving us the space. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So I have three rapid fire questions. I'll ask each of you to answer. And then I have two final questions for you. So Emily, I'll have you start on these, these questions. Okay. Oh boy. Okay. All right. First, first question. What's your favorite restaurant in Wisconsin? Oh, that's a good one. in Wisconsin. Oh, I don't, I don't it's rapid fire. I know. This is like, <laughs> I don't know. Pressure's can it, like, okay, can it not does it have to just be in Wisconsin? Okay, Wisconsin. Take it can it. it can be a like a chain restaurant or something that's outside of Wisconsin, but oh. there has to be one that you oh. in Wisconsin. Okay, so if it's a chain, I'd have to say Chipotle because I'm obsessed with Chipotle. Nice. Um but like if it's just Wisconsin based, oh I don't know. I I don't know. There's a steakhouse in Madison called Delaney's and it's really, really good. And so it's like a supper club and I'm all about supper clubs, Wisconsin supper clubs. Oh, so yeah. I'll say you, that. Do you, you get the old fashioned at the supper club? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Megan? I'm maybe it's, you know, because I'm missing it so much right now, but I'm going to have to just say ponchos and lefties um, mm -hmm. right here in Monroe. <laughs> that is my favorite or was, you know, my favorite place to, to be. Yep. And that's right around the corner from your office, essentially. It is. So it is. Yeah. Um, all right. Second one. What's your favorite event in Wisconsin? Oh, Badger and Packer games. That's easy. Nice. I would have to concur, but uh, for, for just to have it put out a different kind of answer, I do enjoy Bratfest. Haven't been able to get there for a few <laughs> years, but I like Bratfest. Live music and blah. Uh -huh. Yes. I have some fond memories of Bratfest, even when my kids were little. So. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, when Broadfest is in town. I I work in Madison. I work at home now. Um, but when it was when I was working up in Madison, they we'd get like brought deliveries at nine AM and yeah. Oh, only, only in Wisconsin. I know, and I'm. We didn't say cheese days. I was going to say was cheese like, days. What? I just I mean, thought that too. <clears throat> cheese days. Yeah. Well, we haven't had it for four know, years, so it's like devastating. I know. Mm -hmm. We'll see. Hopefully, we can get it get it done this year. We'll see. All right, last rapid fire question. Where's your favorite place to hang out in Wisconsin? Oh, Madison for me. Yeah, me too. Okay. It feels okay. like a second home. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. All right, two final questions here for you. Um, first one is How has Monroe or Wisconsin helped shape you into who you are? That's a big one. Hmm. I think for me, just the, the safety in, in just both Monroe and Wisconsin, um, it, I don't know. Sometimes it just feels like one big family. Like it's, it's very family oriented. It's, um, I think 
you know how they always talk about like Midwest nice. Like I just feel like that that kind and um, nurturing just atmosphere that I think sometimes we have in Wisconsin that that's not everywhere. Yeah. I would agree. I can't, I wouldn't be this. I mean, I just wouldn't be the same person um, if I had grown up on the East coast or the West coast or whatever um, I, things. I think I would be a completely different person. Um, there's some, yeah, that in terms of nature, nature and nurture I, environment is huge in terms of development and shaping somebody. And for me, yeah, I guess um, just even valuing things that I didn't even know I valued, right? So just like learning for myself when I think about coming back, to making a choice to come back here when I didn't think I would ever come back here because I was angry and maybe hurt about the way that things felt when I was younger here. Um, I guess helping myself to come back around to see that I truly do value the culture that we have here in this small community. Like I, I, I don't even want to live in a big, I don't want to live in Madison because that feels very different to me. My husband and I talk about that. We want this small community feel outside of it. We don't feel at home. And so um, when it comes to living, to hang out, certainly, but to live it, this is, you know, it, this is how, this is where we belong. Yeah. I relate to both of your, both of what you said. So that's great. All right. Last question for you, Emily, I'll have you start this one. When all is said and done, what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? I think I would want people to remember me by um, legacy is someone who um, gave them the space to be seen and to be heard for who they are and to feel safety and the vulnerability um, and, and just have someone, my favorite Brene Brown quote is, um, you don't have to do it alone. You were never meant, we were never meant to. And I think that's something that I really feel connected to that. I hope, you know, with whoever I give that, you know, whoever comes in my path that they don't feel like they're alone when they're in my presence. All right. Thanks, Megan. Be the change comes to mind for me. Um, I hope to leave people better than I found them by simply modeling how to be a good, caring, loving person in the world who accepts others, um, who makes space for others, like Emily said, um, and to empower people to understand that it, it lies within each and every one of us. We each we all of us has what we need. We have the resources within us to make a difference in the world. And I just hope that I can help people step into their power and to take that and do whatever they're meant to do in the world with it. That's great. Both of you are, are making incredible strides in, in doing the work that you do. Uh, the whole community of Monroe and Greene County, I'm sure appreciate everything that you're doing. And so I certainly appreciate all the work that you're doing. And uh, yeah, keep up the great work. Really excited to see how this Be the Change Green County uh, grows and grows from here. Well, thank you, Corey. And thanks for being part of the change just by giving us a voice here. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else you want to want to chat about before we, we wrap up here? Mm-mm. Just thank you. So. Thank, thank you. you very much. You bet. All right. Well, thanks for joining Wisco Legacy. Thank you to Megan and Emily from Avenues Counseling for joining Wisco Legacy and sharing their story. 
and working on the Be The Change Green County Initiative. Follow along with them on social media. Just look up Avenues Counseling. They have a website, avenuescounselingllc.com, that you can check out. We'll have more information on Be The Change Green County moving forward. The fundraiser just wrapped up yesterday, but they will have more fundraisers in the future. So uh, follow along on social media there. And if you like this podcast, go follow us on all our social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. And subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We also have the YouTube channel here if you want to subscribe there too. And finally, rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It certainly helps us uh, bump up those charts.